this is where we end up in 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to start in verse 1. And watch what he says. Watch what he writes. In talking about the return of Christ. He says in verse 1. He says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember that the holy prophet said long ago. And what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you, watch this, that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again. From the time, from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world has been first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water, verse 6, to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by that same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to repent. Now watch verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should be living. Park right there. He said, since you are beginning to see, or since you know that these things are getting ready to happen, you as a believer have a duty to live a holy and a godly life. Because the Bible tells you that without holiness, Come on, quote it, Bible scholars. No man is going to see the Lord. So the way you exit out of this dispensation and out of this time period and not make it over to the next one that's coming is you have to live a holy and godly life. And this sounds very elementary to Christians because you know this, but a lot of Christians don't live that way. A lot of Christians don't live like the Lord is coming soon. They don't live like the rapture is getting ready to take place. The Bible told me in 1 John 3 that anybody who has an eager expectation that the Lord is coming back and there's a day coming when you're going to live like him, you'll keep yourself pure. So the sign that you're preparing yourself and you're readying yourself to meet the Lord is living a pure life. Amen. Is living a pure life. And it's funny that the devil tries everything in his power to get this generation to do everything but that. It's like everything in this world is hardwired for you not to live holy. If you want to be accepted by the world, don't live holy. If you want to be acceptable in the eyes of the world, 
do everything against the word of God. That's a problem. That's a problem because you can't claim to be a believer and live any old way. There is a certain way that you should live. You understand what I'm saying? Amen? There's a certain way that you should live. And you as a believer have to crucify your desires, crucify your own ways, your own wants, and live a holy life. As unpopular as it may be, as much as the world is set up for you not to live that way, go against the grain. Because if you do that, you'll be rewarded on the other side. And not just on the other side, but in this life too. So now people ask the question, okay, but I would like to live holy, but how do I do it when everything in me wants to go another way? Because if you haven't noticed, your flesh does not want to obey God. Your flesh is hardwired to disobey God. The desires that your flesh has goes against the desires of God. You understand that? That's why people want to live holy and they can't. They can't. Because in your own power, you can't live holy. The Bible said all your righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. That's what your righteousness is like. You trying to be righteous in your own power is not going to be acceptable in the sight of God. So, if I can't live holy in my own power, what do I do? And this is where the power of God comes in. There's another power that can help you to begin to live a life that's acceptable to God. You can't rely on your flesh. But thank God through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live holy. You understand what I'm saying? You can live holy through the power of the Holy Spirit. People say, you know, it's not possible. We sin every day. The devil is a liar. Because the Bible said that the person who continues in sin either doesn't know God or understand who he is. If you're a person who claims to be righteous, but you continue to live in sin, the Bible tells you that you either don't know him or you don't understand who he is. Either you're a complete heathen and you're not really saved, or you don't understand that God has given you power to live holy. If you cont- if you say, I'm saved, I'm Holy Ghost filled, I'm probably baptized, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. But your life says something different, there's a problem there. There's a problem. And God hasn't intended for you to live like that. He said, no, your flesh can't do it. He can't do it. But thank God, the Bible said in Romans 8, that if you through the spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, that's what you have to do. You have to do it through the Spirit's power. You see your evil desires that want to do everything contrary to the Word of God? You don't just kill it on your own. You kill it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you understand why the power of God is so necessary in this last hour. And you can't have a church service without the power of God. You can't live a life without the power of God. Because you're done if you don't have Him. If you don't have Him, you can't live holy. If you don't have Him, You won't be successful in this life. If you don't have it, 
Might as well just lay down and go down the slippery slope to hell. And people have thrown away the power of God like, you know, I don't need it. It's just some sideshow. It's just something for when the guest preachers come along. And people are on their way to hell because they don't put a premium on the power of God. And this is why I act the way I act. Because I encounter people all the time like this. Who have these weird thought processes of, I can't do it. I can't live holy. You know, God understands me. I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago that said, you know, this is exactly what this person said to me. Well, you know, fam, that this man, Adam, he was the one. This was, he said this like, this was, this was some great revelation. He was like, you know, fam, this man, Adam, he sinned. And because he sinned, that's the reason why I sinned. So God has a pact with me now. Because it's actually not my fault. It's Adam's fault. This is what this man said. And I didn't say anything because the person, I knew the person didn't want to hear. So I just didn't say anything. I said, oh yeah, cool. That's a great revelation. Praise the Lord for that. That's not where the story ends. Read the book of Romans chapter 6. Yeah, through one man sin entered the world through Adam. But the Bible says through another man came righteousness. Adam messed up. He jacked it all up. But thank God there was a second Adam. And he didn't mess it up. You have to understand that because if Jesus messed it up, it was over. If Jesus jacked it up, it was done. But thank God he didn't mess up. The Bible said he knew no sin and no guile was found in his mouth. He lived a life free from sin. And that same verse said that Christ left an example for believers to walk in his footsteps. He knew no sin and no guile was found in his mouth. So that tells you right there that as a believer... Christ's life, living free from sin, left you an example of how to live. So if he lived free from sin, we can live free from sin also. I'm not saying cope with sin. I'm not saying live sometimes in sin and the other time don't. Live completely free from sin. Did Jesus play around with sin? Did he mess around with sin? Did he dabble in sin? So then guess what? If he lived free, you can live free also. And I don't have time to jump into this whole thing tonight. I really wish I could, but I can't. But I'll tell you, read 1 John 1, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Read Romans 6 through 8. And that will show you that as a believer, you can live completely free from sin. It'll show you what Jesus did. Yeah, Adam came. Adam jacked up things. But Christ came. And he broke the power of sin off of you and then gave you the power to live holy. So when the temptation comes to give in to an addiction that's not of God, you don't have to sit there and say, oh my God, the temptation is too great. You can say, nope, God gave me the power to live holy, so I'm going to resist this temptation. You understand what I'm saying? Because people tell us, oh, no, 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 you don't, these desires are so strong. I'm telling you, how can, how, as a believer, how? As a young person, could you go through your life and live abstinent? It's not through my own power. You understand what I'm saying? It's not through my own power. Trust me, when I was in my teenage years, I thought the same thing. How in the world can you live a holy life? How in the world can your body be a temple unto God? But I understood something. It wasn't through my power. It wasn't through my own ability. If I tried to live a holy life in my own power, I would fail all the time. But there came a day 
when I started to lean on somebody else's power. You understand what I'm saying? I started to lean on a different power. And that's when I started to see success. That's where you'll start to see results. That's where you'll stop falling into sin all the time. When you start relying on God's power. You want to stop sinning? You want to break the cycle of sin in your life? Rely on a different power. You want to give up those addictions that you think you can't break? And these things that are stopping you from living in a right relationship with the Lord? Rely on a different power. Amen. Rely on another power. And this may seem basic to some people, but it's not basic. Because a lot of people can't get it down pat. A lot of people cannot live a week holy. A lot of people can't live a week right. They mess up every couple of days and fall into sin. What's the problem? You're relying on the wrong power. You're relying on your own strength. When you need to turn it around and say, I'm relying on your power now, God. On your power. And your power alone. That's the power I'm relying on from now on. And this is why I go hard when I preach on these things. This is why I preach extremely hard on the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. I preach so hard on these things because this is what you need. And if you don't have it, you are putting your life in jeopardy. Because you're basically saying, I don't want that. I don't want to live a holy life. I don't want to make it into heaven. I'm going to live this life on my own. You'll never be successful. You'll never be successful that way. But thank God, when you begin to lean on God's power and not your own, that's when the commands of God finally begin to look possible to fulfill. They're no longer impossible. That's how That was the problem with the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. The Bible tells you that the Old Covenant was there to expose sin and expose the fact that man could not measure up to God's standard in their flesh. And that's why every year they had to continuously make atonements. Every time an animal was dying, animal sacrifices every year. And then once a year, the priest would go into the temple on the day of atonement and make a grandiose sacrifice for everybody. And it was a continuous thing. But the Bible tells you that when Jesus died, his sacrifice was once and for all. Because guess what? It was enough. It was enough. It wasn't something that just lasted you until the next time you sinned. It wasn't just something that just covered your sin. When Jesus died, his sacrifice completely broke the power of sin and made a way for you as a believer to be set free from it, not covered, not put on hiatus or put on hold, set free. Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So that means when I come to Christ, everything that had to do with my old sinful life, everything that had to do with the old man, that couldn't fulfill the commands of God got stripped off of me. Understand this. It got stripped off of me. And people act like it hasn't been stripped off of them because they don't have a revelation of that. That when you came to Christ, you didn't just kneel out an altar and just say a couple words and poof. No, you turned into a new person. There was a change that happened in you. There was a change that happened on the inside of you. So now the areas where I failed before, I don't have to fail in anymore. The areas where I could not measure up to God's standard, I can measure up to them now. 
Amen. Amen. So I say all that to say that you need to make a decision and determine in your heart today that you're going to be a person who's not going to rely on their own strength and rely on their own power. But you're going to be a person who relies on God's power so that you can live a holy life and that you can live a life that's pleasing in the sight of God. Amen. So that you can live a life that's right. The Bible said in 2 Peter 1, chapter, verse 3, watch what Peter said a couple chapters before. He said, by God's divine power, watch, I just want to read this first part. He said, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Through God's power, you have been given all the tools, everything that you need to live a life that's godly and to live a life that's righteous. You don't need anything else. Amen. You don't need anything else. Everything has been provided. And now it's up to you to access it. That's the difference. Between people that live holy and people that don't. They accessed it. They accessed a different power. As I said last week, you could have millions of dollars in the bank. You'll be a millionaire. But until you access it, that money won't work for you. Until you access God's power to live free from sin, you won't live free from sin. Until you access God's power to live a godly life, you won't live a godly life. And I believe people need to make that decision tonight, once and for all. Stand here for you with me. That I'm going to access God's power to live a godly life. I'm going to access the power of God to live a completely holy life. And I'm not settling for living halfway. I'm not settling for living holy one day and the next day not living holy. I'm going to live holy from now until Jesus comes back. Understand what I'm saying? This thing is serious. If you look at my eyes right now, do I look like I'm playing games? I'm not playing any games because people's eternity is at stake. And as a young person, you don't have, you may not have until you're 70, 80 years old. We're not waiting on anything else. Nothing is holding back the rapture of the church. You understand what I'm saying? Nothing is holding back the rapture of the church. Everything is set. Jesus could come back tomorrow. Are you ready? Are you living in a way that if Jesus were to come back right now, you would be ready to meet him? Are you living ready to meet the Lord. And I want you to take a deep look on the inside of yourself right now. Take that churchianity mask off right now. I've been in church all my life. You know, I'm on my way. No, are you living a holy life? Are you living fully ready to meet the Lord? Because the Bible told you that the day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. In the book of Matthew chapter 25 with a parable of the ten virgins, five are ready, five weren't. 
And when the bridegroom, when they heard the sound that the bridegroom was coming, somebody came out and said, the bridegroom is here. Come out to meet him. The five that didn't have oil in their lap, they didn't have time to go get oil. When that trumpet sounds, and when Jesus is finally sent to come back, you're not going to have time to fix up. You're not going to have time to get on your knees and repent before God. God, I live my life wrong this whole entire time, but I'm going to live right, right now. You ain't got time for that. You ain't got time to jump out of the bed you're in. You understand what I'm saying? You don't got time for any of that. This is why the Bible said you got to live holy right now. This is why you got to live right, right now. Because he can come back at any moment. And the Bible said it'll happen in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. Faster than I'm snapping right now. It'll happen faster than that. You ain't got time. Ain't got no time. This is why you got to live holy now. And put aside everything that says, oh, you know, I can't live that way. Everything that makes you fear to be different. Everything that makes you fear to live right. Everything that stops you from living holy, put that aside. Because honestly, in the scope of eternity, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes right now. And take a deep look on the inside of yourself. And let the Holy Spirit, don't just take a look on the inside of yourself yourself. Let the Holy Spirit shine a light on things. If there's any part of your life that is unconsecrated, any part of your life that's not right before God, any part of your life that needs to be fixed, that needs to be changed, that would keep you from spending an eternity with the Lord, get rid of it tonight. Determine in your heart, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm not holding on to it anymore. But I'm getting rid of it once and for all. And if there are things that are not right, the Holy Spirit will illuminate it to you. As you're standing there right now, the Holy Spirit will illuminate it and show you this is wrong. This needs to get fixed. This is wrong. This is sin. This is a weight. Bible said, put off the sin and the weight that would so easily be set. Some things are not sins, but they're things that will weigh you down. And they're weights that will still keep you from entering your full potential. Those things need to be stripped off too. Those things need to fall off. Things that could be an open door for sin. And if that's you, I'm going to make a count. And I'm going to count to three. And if you need to make things right with the Lord, unashamedly, I want you to lift your hand where you are. When I count to three. Because the second part of that now is that the Holy Spirit illuminated it. Now you need to make a decision to follow him. And that decision can't be made in shame. It can't be made timidly. Because honestly, one thing that altar calls do is they set you up for the rest of your Christian life. You're going to walk many paths alone. 
You're going to walk many paths without everybody around. You're going to walk many unpopular paths. And if you can't make a decision to stand before God and follow God all the days of your life in front of a group of people who believe the same way as you, you'll never stand for God in the midst of a world that doesn't believe in Him. So I'm going to count to three. And if there's anybody in here that needs to make that decision, I want you to lift your hand. One. Two. And three. Lift that hand high and unashamedly. Don't be ashamed. Lift it up high. It's you and God right now. It's you and Him. Now I want you to take a next step and meet me down here. Every hand that's lifted, I want you to meet me down where I am right now at the front. Come on. It's you and God right now. Don't be ashamed. It's you and Him. You have the courage to lift your hand. Now take the next step. Amen. Come on, folks. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. But if you confess me openly before men, I'll confess you openly before my Father. So because you made the decision to confess God openly, he's not ashamed of you. Come a little closer, all you that are down here, come. Let's come to the middle. I want you to lift your hands right now. It's you and the Lord. Close your eyes. All you out there that are saved and your account is settled with the Lord, stretch your hands this way. Close your eyes. And I want you that are down here to pray this prayer after me. Say, Father. I'm going to say it unashamedly. Say, Father, I come before you through the door of your son, Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. And I thank you, God, today that you're that savior. So right now, I repent of my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me. And you rose to give me power over sin. So right now, I receive that power. And from this day forward, I will live holy. I won't turn back and I'll follow you all the days of my life. And when you come back, I will go with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All you that are down here, lift your hands right now. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that they made this decision today. And I thank you, God, that this begins the beginning of their new life in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that any plan that the enemy has for them, they will not fall into it. God, your word said that the wicked set a trap for the righteous, but they fall in themselves. 
Every single trap that the enemy has to make these ones fall back into sin, I thank you that he falls in his own trap today in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, that from this day forth, they'll begin to realize and get a fresh revelation that they have power and authority over sin. And they'll begin to walk in it. Not one of these will be left behind. Not one of these will miss your return. But they'll be ready to meet you when you come back. And I thank you that that work is sealed by the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. And amen. Jesus. I thank you, God, that from this day forth, they'll go forward. Everything that the enemy has for them to progress and regress backwards, they'll begin to go forward in Jesus' name. They won't go backwards. Every single plan that the enemy has to make you fall off of the straight and narrow path, they'll get back on it today in the name of Jesus. They won't fall off. I thank you, God, that they realize their authority that they have over sin over sickness, disease, and all the power of the enemy. And I thank you, God, that they'll begin to walk in it in Jesus' name. Every single need represented here, I thank you, God, that it is met by the power of God today. It is met. And I thank you, God, that on eternity's morning, they won't be the only ones in heaven. Unsaved family members, I thank you that they're being brought into the kingdom of God. Come on, lift your hands and receive that. Unsaved family members, I thank you, Father, that they're being brought into your kingdom, but you're using these ones here as the light to bring them in. As the word of God said, you now are the light of the world. A city set on the hill that can't be hidden. Nobody takes a light and puts it under a bushel. I thank you, God, that unsaved family members will see something different about these that are here right now. And they'll begin to ask, what is this that's different? And you'll open up opportunities for them to minister to them. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that this time next year, their life will look completely different. Their life will look completely different. They won't be in the same place that they are right now. But they'll be further and further and further in the thing that you've called each and every one of them to do. Come on, lift your hands and receive that right now in Jesus' name. Receive that in the mighty name of Jesus. Be blessed. Be prosperous. Be full of power. Be full of the Holy Spirit. And go forward in the things that God has called you to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, put your hands together and give God praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.